Hello and welcome to the Friday, July 17th, 2020 special summer vacation edition of On Iowa Politics. Hi, I'm James Lynch of the Cedar Rapids Gazette. This week, not only am I working alone in my home office, but now all of my regular podcast co-conspirators have abandoned me to go on vacation or on assignment. So I've reached out to other reporters who follow politics around the state and in their communities. So joining me this morning are Zach Warren Smith, covers local government and politics in Iowa City Press Citizen. Good morning, Zach. Good morning, James. And my old friend and classmate, Art Cullen of the Storm Lake Times. Good morning, Art. James, how you doing? I'm doing well. I like to say that I taught Art everything he knows about journalism. <laughs> he just made better use of it than I did. <laughs> okay, let's start with the top stories. Uh, well, let's just go around the horn and talk about what you think is or likely will be the top political story of the 2020 campaign. Um, so many possibilities. And let me start by saying there are really two stories that I'm uh, interested in. And the first is the Iowa U.S. Senate race between Senator Joni Ernst and Tristan Greenfield. And then an, a story that we won't be able to write until after the election and maybe not even until next year. And that is what the imp impact the coronavirus pandemic is having on the campaigns and elections. Uh, that's, that's kind of the stories I'm watching. Zach, um, What's the big political story in Johnson County that you're keeping an eye on? Uh, James, the, the big story around here is the same story it always is. It's, it's home rule, right? Uh, the question is right now is whether or not the mayor is going, one of the mayors around here is going to defy the governor in order, uh, order the populace to wear a mask. Um, I wrote Wednesday for the register about how Muscatine Mayor Diana Broderson issued a mask mandate only to have it summarily declawed and unsupported by uh, her county attorney and a city council who frankly has a long history of stripping power from the mayor. Uh, but unlike Broderson, Iowa City handles municipal infractions within its own city attorney's office and it seems there is growing support for the mayor to declare an order. Um, we saw Mayor Teague come to this go-no-go -no -go point back with the shelter-in-place order back in March. I um, mean, you'll remember he, he told us that uh, if the governor was not prepared to issue a shelter in place order, that he would. Um, uh, not much came of that, right? There was a lot of, there was a lot of debate. There was a lot of uh, hemming and hawing, but, um, you know, that came all, all signifying nothing. Uh, but now, um, you know, we've, we've come to this point again. The governor and AG's office has issued statements saying mayors can't issue these orders. Um, and while that was a, while that snuffed Teague's plans uh, last time with the shelter in place order, um, he seems to he seems to at least want reporters to know that uh, you know it's certainly on the table. Um, I'm not convinced, but I'm excited to see what happens with it. Yeah, I think that's going to be interesting to follow the the Muscatine case. Um, I mean, I, it, it seemed like that was doomed to fail from the start, just because of the the history of animosity between the mayor and the council <laughs> and uh, other folks there. Um, but in Iowa City, it's a different story, um, and you know I, I could see that one ending up in court uh, if the state decides to challenge the mayor's authority, um, which would be an interesting case to follow, which probably wouldn't be resolved uh, until the pandemic has either uh, been uh, passed us by or we're all dead. But uh, yeah, that that's definitely going to be an interesting story to watch. Art. Um, from your corner of the state up there in Northwest Iowa, what's the big story you're following? Well, the, big, the, the biggest political story is what already happened, and that is Steve King got beat in a June 2nd <laughs> primary by Randy Feinstra, state senator from Hull, uh, who's every bit as conservative as King, but just has a nicer uh, suit, essentially. <laughs> and uh, uh, 
they'll be uh, Feenstra will be running against J.D. Shulton, uh, a Democrat from Sioux City, who came within three percentage points of beating King, and and a lot of people think that uh, Feenstra beat uh, King in this primary because there was some sort of moral awakening in Northwest Iowa, when in fact uh, uh, he let. King let Shulton get it within three percentage points of him, and that was the cardinal sin, not anything that King said over the last 20 years. And uh, so that's, that's the, now Shulton had a, did an internal poll and said he's in, uh, he's in a, a statistical dead heat with Feenster right now. And that's starting out from a negative 22 point uh, position for a Democrat, a generic Democrat in this district. So, uh, you know, a lot of Democrats and a lot of Republicans assumed that when King lost, Feenster was a shoe-in. I wouldn't be so sure of it. That's a very heavily Republican district. As you mentioned, it's like a 22-point right. uh, GOP advantage there. I mean, how, how can J.D. Shulton have a chance? Well, I think if he can, t I think that uh, Trump is in big trouble across the state, and that's another topic, but because of ethanol and trade. And, uh, you know, there's some people up in Sioux County who said they weren't voting for Trump uh, because of ethanol, uh, members of the Sioux County Ethanol uh, Cooperative. And, uh, you know, now, you know, those people will vote for Randy Feenstra. But I think if uh, J.D. Shulton can tie Feenstra to Trump, uh, you know, he has a chance. He's got a million dollars in the bank, and I think he has – we just don't know what's going to happen. Berkeley Bedell did get elected from this area in 1974 uh, when nobody thought he could. So if this is a tsunami, I think Shulton has a chance. The advantage that Shulton had two years ago was that he was running against uh, somebody who wasn't very likable, who really, um, you know, almost dared people not to vote for him right. with some of the statements he was making, some of the positions he's held. Uh, Feenster doesn't have that baggage. He's not that sort of a personality. Um, he's much easier to like than Steve King. So, um, you know, can J.D. make up that uh, 22 points? Um, or, you know, can he make it closer than three points to get over the hump this time? Uh, I mean, what does he have to do to get there? Well, um, I, I, I think what he needs to do, uh, you know, this is a re really tough uh, district for TV because you've got to, you know, you're wasting so many dollars in Nebraska and South Dakota. Mm -hmm. And so it's very difficult. I just think, I, I think a lot depends on, on what happened, you know, how poor, you know, Trump is dragging Joni Ernst underwater, and uh, I think he could drag Randy Feenstra down too. Uh, can he drag him down far enough? Or what we assume voter turnout's going to be high, certainly among the Republican base in, in Sioux County. Uh, but uh, what are the independents going to do? And that's a very sizable block in Northwest Iowa. And do they think that Randy Feenstra is more of the uh, same kind of race-stoking rhetoric, because Randy Feenstra is, is tied at the brain with Trump. Uh, and uh, like I say, he, he has a better smile than Steve King. But Steve King's populist uh, spunk is what kept him in office for 20 years, which mm -hmm. Feenstra doesn't have. 
And yeah. Hilton does have. Hilton is a populist, and this is a populist district. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, we'll want to watch that. Um, one of the big stories this year is the Iowa U.S. Senate race, Joni Ernst and Teresa Greenfield. Um, you know, if anyone had asked me six months ago whether this would be a race to watch, one of the key matchups for control of the Senate, I, I would have been doubtful. Um, none of the Democrats running for the nomination and six months ago was well known. Joni Ernst had plenty of cash in her campaign account. Um, she had been doing all the right things in terms of getting out around the state with her 99 county tour and doing town hall meetings and those sorts of things. Uh, I expected this race to be competitive just because this is Iowa. We're purplish, um, but I certainly didn't foresee a, a race um, that would be within the margin of error and that the Democratic challenger would be leading uh, Joni Ernst. Zach, um, what do we chalk this up to? Is it all uh, about the, the federal government's response to COVID-19? Is it the, the reaction to George Floyd's killing by the police? Um, it, or is there any one um, one thing that has uh, made this race so uh, competitive? Yeah, a great question. Um, I mean, I, it, you know, I'm a Johnson County reporter, so I, I probably should also give you this hot take that uh, Greenfield's going to carry Johnson County, right? We we know that right, out of breaking. the gate, but uh, <laughs> um, so many of the so many of the uh, talking points, uh, so many so much of in the zeitgeist really are like are issues that uh, really, really um, uh, drive a lot of, uh, drive a lot of emotions for uh, a lot of new sort of like progressive voters, right? Um, so in Johnson County, we've been seeing this uh, both uh, in uh, sort of pandemic response, right? But also with uh, sort of these protests, these uh, Black Lives Matter protests, right? That we've been seeing, uh, particularly in the month of June. Um, I think it's actually kind of, I, I think uh, while Green, Greenfield, like it's an unsurprising, you know, how she's, how she's um, sort of messaging on these issues. I actually think like Joni Ernst, like a sort of campaign ready Joni Ernst is turning to issues like the pandemic and police form. And, you know, I, I think finding some interesting language to sort of put those in conversation with her values, right? So take, for example, uh, COVID-19, right? Um, on August 24th, uh, 30,000 uh, 30, 30, uh, students will return to class at the University of Iowa. Um, you know, this is a timed populational explosion that every policymaker is counting down uh, in the back of their mind, right? That's the, that is the great backdrop to all of their decisions right now. Um, and in, in this area, we're in the middle, even without those students, we're in the middle of a huge surge. And, uh, uh, and we have been since mid-June. Um, Ernst told uh, Rachel Droves of uh, We Are Iowa that she actually wanted to defer to local governments for how to handle these surges, right? Which is, I, you know, I think that's a huge, that's a, that's a very different message than we're seeing, uh, seeing, seeing from folks like the governor, from folks like the AG. Um, you know, and for local uh, restaurant owners, I'm tired of patrons berating their wait staffs for wearing masks. Uh, you know, I, I think that's, I think they'd like to see some governmental leadership empowering, uh, empowering uh, someone, uh, someone on the uh, chain of command to, you know, sort of take that order so they have someone to defer to when the, you know, uh, angry customer is, uh, uh, you know, complaining about having to, having to don a mask for the grocery store. Um, and I think you're seeing Ernst uh, you know, seize on that local control argument, on, uh, and I think she could it could be beneficial to her as she's hitting particularly hard hit uh, localities like I don't know, say Buena Vista or um, you know any any of these that have really seen uh, some, some or Storm Lake, right? Uh, have seen some really serious uh, uh, trouble from the pandemic, serious rising cases. So, so Joni Ernst and, and Bruce Teague. So Zach, uh, Joni Ernst and Bruce Teague might be on the same side on this issue. 
weird weird when you put it when you juxtapose them like that but yeah i mean it would it would appear that um it would appear that joni ernst is at least open to this notion that maybe local you know cities understand their populations best and that cities understand their you know how um you know what resources are needed and ultimately what policies need to be made well you know it's interesting because local control historically has been a republican position uh, that's changed in recent years, uh, especially at the, in the Iowa legislature, but uh, uh, everybody's for local control as long as they control it, I guess. But uh, yeah. our, uh, our, <laughs> we're about 110 days out uh, from the election. Uh, is it too early to call this Senate race and, and what could happen that would change the dynamics here? Yes, it is too early to call this Senate race. I, I think it's still a dead heat. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, however, it, it, everything that I'm looking at in terms of uh, polling regarding Trump is, is that he's becoming heavier and heavier to, on the ticket. And so it's hard for me to imagine how Joni Ernst uh, improves her standing uh, in the meantime, and uh, when Teresa Greenfield is uh, raising her right now, anyway, has plenty of money apparently to run on run a lot of TV uh, attack mm -hmm. ads to define Joni Ernst. And I think really what Joni Ernst was getting dragged down well before the pandemic by Trump's uh, silly trade wars with China, Mexico, Europe, whoever he could pick a trade war with. And, uh, and, and again, the worst of it was ethanol and Chuck Grassley and Joni Ernst were seen as not standing up to Trump on ethanol. The ethanol industry is in a shambles right now. It cannot recover before November. And corn prices, are, despite the Chinese weighing in uh, on corn this week, uh, corn prices actually dropped a little bit. So. Mm -hmm. I don't see the economy improving. I don't see uh, I don't see ethanol standing up again uh, before November. Uh, I, there's a lot of very anxious farmers who are looking for that big Trump bump check in October. Uh, but uh, from a rural perspective, uh, you know, uh, my brother-in-law is a really hardcore Republican. Uh, thinks Trump is crazy. Uh, so I, th and that's going to drag down Joni Ernst for people who think that she didn't stand up for ethanol and that she didn't stand up for soybean growers. And, uh, uh, I think it's real trouble. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there, there's, it's going to be interesting to see what issues, um, come up as we go through this campaign, because I, I don't think, um, reliance on, uh, the supply chain out of communist China where where Teresa Greenfield and and Joni Ernst are getting their campaign cash, um, I, I mean I'm looking for some other issues to sort of take move to the forefront as this campaign progresses. Um, looks like we're running down on time here, so let's wrap it up. I've got a quick question, just sort of a lightning round approach here. Art, how likely are we to see Joe Biden and Donald Trump campaigning in Iowa before the November election? I think we're on a likely, scale of one to ten. Uh, likely to on a scale of one to ten, probably a nine for Trump, and probably a four or five for Biden. Okay, Zach, what do you think? How likely? I'm gonna. 
Trump's Trump's missing an opportunity to drive up the boat if he doesn't come to Iowa. That's a ten from in my mind. Uh, Joe Biden didn't carry Iowa the caucuses. I, I I don't think it's I don't think he anything anything uh, more than a circuit will uh, will hit our hit our uh, our town square anytime soon. I'm gonna put that at a three. At a three. All right. All right. Thanks, guys. That's it for this edition of On Iowa Politics. I hope it is worth your time. If you like it, tell a friend and subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you find your podcast. Send your fan mail to podcast.com. And you can find us on the home pages of the Quad City Times, Sioux City Journal, Muscatine Journal, Mason City, Globe Gazette, Waterloo, Cedar Falls Courier, and the Cedar Rapids Gazette. Youth Orchestra will take us out today. And if you know an Iowa band or musician who should be on our show, send us a sound file. Subscribe to On Isle Politics wherever you find your podcast. For Zach, Art, and our producer, Stephen, I'm James Lynch. Thanks for listening and stay well.
she cooks that soup, she locks her house up so tight. To keep all the ladies out, and to make that soup to taste so right. Oh, 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 oh